Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 69 with Jim Fuller. Jim Fuller is a mushroom scientist. He's also an absolute legend. He also co-founded Fable. That's the meat substitution company that is doing all sorts of great things on menus around the world. So check out that Fable. Also brought to you by Chef Notepad. No better time than right now to be getting on top of your food costs, that's for sure. Check that out if you're a restaurateur or a chef, Chef Notepad. Also brought to you by Green Endeavour. Green Endeavour is the company that houses the brand Suncoast Fresh and Fruitlink, and we are aiming to create sustainable communities. Let's get into this with Jim. How long have we been friends, mate? Back in the day, whenever you came down and got introduced to my tour through CJ Secluna, that would have been prior to 2017. Long time. Yeah, at least a good five years. Lots of mushrooms under the bridge since then. Yes, mate, many years ago. Mate, I can't thank you enough to, to coming on the podcast. I've been wanting you to have you on the podcast since before the podcast. Mm. And you were one of the blogs that we have on our webpage that Scarlett, you know, learnt loads yeah, yeah. off. And we'll talk yeah. about that. Uh, I'm going to set the scene here so everyone knows where we are. We're at Urban Valley, Joel and Rachel's uh, little mushroom business in the, in, the, in the middle of the Fortitude Valley in Brisbane. And outside, there's a few workmen in high vis doing their thing, standing around getting their hands warm in their pockets, looking to get to work. And you can hear the train going past. And yeah. the, the little noise in the background is pressure cookers. Pressure well, cookers. Yeah, these are they're pasteurizing, so they're not under pressure. So you don't have to worry about that being a bomb. <laughs> and they're on, literally, he told me that one's on for 18 hours, the one that's on now. And the, there's a really big one next to it, maybe three times the volume, if not more. Uh, and that one runs for 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and there's loads of mushrooms going in that look like cool rooms to, to most people, but they're little uh, growing rooms, so we can grow them all. Yeah. Incubated, man. Bioreactors. Okay, let's, um, let's tell people about Jim, because that's what this is about today. Um, how did you get into mushrooms? Ooh, that's a big one. It's a long story, but I will tell you the abridged version. <laughs> so uh, my background's in chemical engineering and fine dining. Um, I was a fine dining chef for 12 years in San Antonio, Texas, at a James Beard-nominated you know, restaurant on the San Antonio Riverwalk. Always had a really scientific sort of approach to cooking because you know, I led into it with science. Um, my head chef recognized eh, he don't really do the things normal. And he gave me a book called On Food and Cooking by Harold McGee. It's called It's the Science and Lore of the Kitchen. First cookbook I ever owned. Introduced me to like Heston and all the likes of these scientific minded people. That's great. I had someone to emulate, someone to copy through. And I was just, I thrived in that environment. I married an Australian chick um, and applied for a visa. It took a really long time to get it. And she got a job opportunity out in California. So we decided okay, we'll just go out to California. I won't be a chef. I won't be a chemical engineer. I'll just take a job, sort of a transitory position. And through the magic of the internet, this is their, their website is called, um, oh gosh, what can I remember what it's like? It's like Gray's Online over here. Oh, Craigslist. Yes. Craigslist, right? And I was just looking for a job. And this position for a spawn supervisor at a mushroom farm came up. That's it, it didn't really describe any of like what you needed to have, but because it was on a mushroom farm, they wanted to be very succinct in their ad because it's Craigslist and you can get literally anything you want on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want a whole bunch of people rocking up like, where's the shrooms at, bro? 
they they <laughs> just like spawn supervisor mushroom farm and i was looking for like science jobs just to sort of like be transitory yeah and yeah i went and checked them out and they loved the fact that i had a fine dining knowledge but no agriculture knowledge and and especially no knowledge of what to do around mushrooms because they had a, a very unique system called a japanese bottle system this is gourmet mushrooms in like Sebastopol, California. That's the North Bay area of San Francisco. And yeah, they loved that I had a science background. They plugged me right into Spawn Supervisor. I got that title, which was like, <laughs> it was like, that's all I want is the title. <laughs> Did you get that on a shirt? Yeah. Or oh match? my gosh, I should have. <laughs> oh yeah, that would have been good. I can go back and do it retroactively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did that and they, they plugged me into this little position, which was like managing all the creation of their seed material. And they had all these um, uh, Excel spreadsheets, how they kept all their data. And that was just transcribed from written documents. So it was like everywhere there were notes and like compiled all this information into, into like all these spreadsheets. So I spent my basically my two years there organizing all that into a database, mm. which put me in contact with every part of the mushroom farm. So I really felt the flow coming through. So I saw all the raw materials coming in and exactly what sort of formulations were used to make what sort of mushrooms. And we had six different culinary varieties of exotics and 47 different nutraceutical strains. So it's like all the stuff I used to play with culinarily and all those interesting ingredients and then all the functional stuff, you know, and, and in such cool ways with massive, um, so you, you've got this little, I don't know, that's probably 200 liters, if that little cooker going on behind you. We had thousands of liters of an actual pressure cooker that was used, converted from a uh, waste cooker. So they used to use it to like decontaminate things by pressure, but we used it to cook pallets of bottles of substrate. And that was this Japanese bottle system. You brought it in one end, put it through some machines, packed it all up in these nice little one liter bottles, perfect moisture content, all of it through the cooker and then into like the lab. And that's where I thrived. That's where I got it exposed to all this. It's like super clean. It's called aseptic technique. So you like hospital, like, but even, even more sterile than hospital because if you bring one spore of something in and it gets in one of these jars, that you make that are spawn, it expands out by thousands exponentially. So it's just like wow. super sterile and clean. It was like, yeah, it's like looking at somebody, you go in there and they're all dressed up like astronauts, you know, like fully covered head to toe, hazmat suits, whatever. And I had a team of people like working under that. It was great. I uh, just got, it spoke to every part of my brain, my engineering brain, my functional chemistry brain. And of course, like I was growing all these ingredients that was like part of my pay. You could take as many mushrooms as you want. Great. I had I had literally kilos and kilos of the best freshest mushrooms to sort of play and get my understanding around them. And at, like I fell down the rabbit hole long before I ever engaged with any sort of magic mushroom. This was just all about <laughs> the real life, growing it agriculturally and being in the Bay Area. Nine months out of the year it rains. So I took on the hobby of foraging them which then got to my primitive stuff where you go out in the forest. That Melbourne, yeah. Bay Area of San Francisco, oh, California. Yeah, over there. Yeah, right. oh, this is yeah. before you came Yeah, here. yeah, well before. So oh, I was right. still waiting for the visa to come to Australia. Yeah, okay. Right? So uh, Bay Area, San Francisco, raining all the time. I got to go out in the woods and, like, thump chest primal, like, but not in a bad way, like in a tree-hugging hippie way, right? You know, it's like yeah. the filtered light, the smells, the sounds, 
getting in touch with nature. Like hunting. the nature sounds that we have right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a metal cutting bird. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just fell in love. And there's something inside of all of us that when we go to the forest, we resonate. And our bodies just work differently. The time moves differently. You just appreciate more about things. And if you go out there with the purpose of finding something specifically in a place, going at the right time of year to find like the best things that you can imagine, like matsutake or porcini, like these dinner plate sized mushrooms that you can go feed your community and know with confidence that you can apply a scientific binomial and talk about the evolutionary history and the taxonomy of it, it's great. Yeah. Matsutakis, they sell for like $350 a mushroom. So it's just so attractive to know you've got all this value yeah. in your hands, but then you smell it and it smells like Red Hots, like that old cinnamon candy. Yeah. And you just slice it and cook it and roast it and fill your house with that. Like, yeah, it, it was easy to fall down that rabbit hole. And I fell in love. There was no turning back. So whenever I got to Melbourne, I just started up mushroom farm in my backyard, went and got a degree in agricultural science at the University of Melbourne, focusing on mycology. We built a degree for me because they didn't have that. But I was accepted over there to finish the chemical engineering degree here at University of Melbourne. And I went there on their day because I transferred in all these credits, like basically can walk in and walk out with a degree with one semesters of work. Beautiful. But whenever I got there, it was just like all the wind had been taken out of my sails because I didn't want to do anything with chemistry anymore. I didn't want to do anything. And it was University of Melbourne, lots of people who are eager in this chemistry space. I went and there was like hundreds of kids, all internationals in Melbourne, and they all wanted the same thing as me. And I was like, hey, they wanted that same role that I was in. I was just like, I'm not in, I don't want it. And I was walking out like fully deflated. And it just was so bad. I walked through the uh, agricultural school yep. um, and they were having a barbecue and me being from Texas and I'm like gravitating to the grill and I'm like, wow, what's going on here? And they're like, it's Bobby, mate. I'm like, Bobby, <laughs> a Bobby. That's great. What's a Bobby? And they're like, it's barbecue. And I'm like, that ain't barbecue. I'm from yeah. Texas. This is, what are you joking? This is not a barbecue. You need to go low and slow and have all the sauce slathered over it. And you're just grilling up some things like cool sat down on the cooler with the beers. There was maybe 15 people. And it just so happened I was sitting next to the dean of the school telling him like my limitations about, yeah, I just, it's not for me. I'm gonna have to say no. <laughs> and he's like, what do you do? And we just go through the list and he's like, we can build you that degree. You'll be done in a year and a half, boom. Agricultural science it is. So I'm an agricultural scientist focusing on mycology. Worked with soil, water, compost, all those sorts of things. It was great. It was so great. So yeah. Started up another mushroom farm, had a massive business failure growing too many of one type of mushroom. I was just in here talking to the farm owner about that type of mushroom and where it fell apart, giving him some advice like, don't let that happen because the mushrooms are beautiful. The, the mushrooms are beautiful. And, uh, and yeah, I just, and, and I told Joel, like, just be careful around this. Look at the water coming out of them. They're adding extra water, water content to your room. Um, so yeah. He's, he's now aware of that, that fatal issue that I had. And then but I grew lots of them. That's the thing. I had so many of one type of mushroom that it just crashed the market. I had no idea. Like, I came from where I could sell you know, easily 10 tons a week over there. Mm. And I took a deal with um, a fruit and veg guy, third generation, but he never sold mushrooms. So he didn't know like really the market either. But we went on the assumption that we could sell one to four tons a week. And yeah, I started out growing half a ton, 
Next week was going to be a ton. The pipeline was full of like all these mushrooms mm. and we were only selling like two or 300 kilos at a time. Yeah. And we had some critical issues thinking about how it's all going to work. Like, yeah. Money funnel was bleeding out. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's what yeah, I like about our relationship with Joel and how it works. So yeah, it's, um, it's a good little slow burn, like a bit like the grill man, slow and slow our relationship with Joel and yeah, it's, it's like So what do, um, so you end up in Australia, you're yeah. working for Costa Farms, biggest mushroom. Well, see, yeah. that's the next step. So you just went right ex exactly into it because I had this massive failure and I just dumped like a hundred grand of loss into a farm. And I took a brand new mortgage, brand new house, land package, whatever the whole new homeowners package. And then boom, I lost all this money and, and it was terrible. So I went on another um, amazing website here in Australia called Seek, seek.com. <laughs> and if that job exists, it'll exist on Seek. <laughs> what happened is here I am like in the despair of my life and they're advertising for a spawn supervisor at Costa Mushrooms, literally 20 minutes up the road from my brand new remortgaged home. Like not even a year old and remortgaged, no joke. And it was like, okay, mushrooms, I hear you. Like, cause I was done. I was never gonna do mushrooms again. I was never, like, I was out, done. My wife, she was like, no one's ever gonna pay you to play with mushrooms. You've just, you've just sealed this deal. Like you're done, go be a chef. Go be a chemical engineer, go do something else. And right there Get at the a job, top, honey. Exactly. Yeah. Right there at the top was spawn supervisor at a local mushroom farm, 20 minutes up the road, driving through the country. Work-life balance was great. It was a Monday through Thursday job. Then I had the whole weekend in my It was great and crazy. It's like, how could I say no? And they were offering, whenever I went in to interview for that position, they're like, you have a spawn supervisor role that you did in the past? Like, are you kidding? Did you copy this over from, like, there's no talent pool to draw from, right? And here I am, I'm like, yeah. Can you yeah. imagine the guy who interviewed after you? Oh my God, no, there was none, mate. Whenever I went, they were like, they were offering a certain amount written down. And then whenever I went in and had these skills, they're like, here, th this is the real offer. And it was well over and above that. And I'm like, yeah, I can't say no to this job. And they didn't let me walk out without a yes. And it was like, I started two days later. Wow. No joke. Yeah. I was actually with Costa Farms the other night, the CEO and a few other staff. There. Yeah. And Who's few, the CEO now? Uh, Ryan. I don't actually know his last name, but his first name is Ryan. Sorry he, to put he, you on the spot. No, no, no. <laughs> I was at this Hort, Court of, uh, Hort convention. Yeah. Thing, yeah. And he, he did a speech and it was funny. In fact, he's he's fit and healthy and funny, and I'm like, oh, maybe making yeah. sick these yeah. people. Some of them, yeah. you know, yeah. talented and said all the right thing. Yeah, and yeah. coaching of, staff, yeah. you know, on any speech, brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, great company, and um, yeah, get back to your story, not mine. Oh, mate, no, 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 you got it. I worked for Costas for another three years. That was great. My my skill set was, I guess, underutilized because we had another sort of CEO come through. Um, and they, well, maybe general manager. That, that business is so big and spread. I think it was a general manager. Uh, his name was Richard Hamley. He was a science background. Um, he came over from tomatoes and had just carried Costa right through some amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, and converted into mushrooms because mushrooms was their big, um, their big moneymaker in that business. And he came through the Spawn Lab interviewing like all the heads of the business and he interviewed me and he just lit up. We, we chatted for like 45 minutes where he normally just rolls through and like five minutes of a hello. And they do a lot of turnover there. Mm. General managers were turned over quite a bit, but this guy was a, a real performer and yeah. he comes through and he makes things great. So he came through and we spent all that time together. He's like, mate, we are underutilizing your skill set. We need to put you out front. You've got so much passion 
about this mushroom. And that right there is what gets conviction. That's what people buy into. He's like, I want to put you in front of customers. And it created this little bit of tension between my actual manager <laughs> and the GM who wanted my time. Whereas here I am like running two IC, so doing everything in the spawn lab, but they wanted, they put me on like the, the, the actual packages of mushrooms, my face as the grower, which caused another little bit of tension because I wasn't the grower, but they elevated me to that status with Woolworths and they're like, meet the grower, Jim Fuller at Costa's Mushrooms. Like there's a hierarchy there. And, and it, you know, this guy didn't really care about all that. He's just like, I want you at store openings. I want you talking about mushrooms. I did that, showed that passion off. It was great. Richard Hamley, um, I took him then as a mentor. It, Costas put me through this, um, this program for young managers. And um, one of the parts of it was like, get outside of your comfort zone and go find like a mentor, uh, we, either a business mentor or this, that, the other. And he ended up being a really good, close personal friend and mentor. And he took time out of his busy schedule to like coach me through business and things like that. Like, and because I was in this corporate structure where I was very entrepreneurial living in this spawn lab and I wanted to do so much. So he was like bridling all of that, wow. like bundling up that energy. Rich Hamley passed away, I think in 2017, 2018. I, I don't know if I'm gonna nail that, but uh, I actually traveled up to Queensland for his funeral. He just, he, he affected me very deeply and he touched so many people. I saw a lot of Costa guys there that I knew from you know all the different categories and just, the stuff that was said about him coming over here and pioneering like he yeah yeah rich hamley an amazing guy and i actually i don't cry i'm not a like i'm not a really emotional guy i'm an introverted scientist but yeah that was a really emotional thing to watch that guy go and i you know i was invited to come and share those moments with his close personal people so i just felt really you know yeah respect you left there but i did so i hit a ceiling Right. So I had all these ambitions and, and, and rich at the same time as me, like the same day we both left that business. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was sort of like I hit the ceiling where I had all this ambition and, and opportunity to go like be more front facing and do more things. But Costas only grows agaricus, the button mushrooms, no exotics. And that's where my real passion was in medicinals and exotics and all yeah. the different substrates and this, that. So, um, a, a guy who I worked with in the market, his name is Wes Arnett. Um, he, he owns that stand where we met, Gramco, yeah. Great Australian Mushroom Company. I called him up telling him, you know, like, I, I can't go anywhere with this. Like, I have a lot of passion. And he wanted to do something with that. And we wanted to start a mushroom farm together. Something much like your farm. And I'm, I'm speaking to Joel, the owner of the uh, Urban Valley. Urban Valley Mushroom. Sorry, mate. Like, I'm on the spot. <laughs> um, I was trying to remember Sean Hallahanikins. What was Oh, yeah. I got Scarlet to Google it. So oh, I like yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was where my passion was. And you could see, as soon as, as, soon as I get talking about that stuff, I light up. And I want to talk about it. And I want to do that. Yeah. There was no joking about it. So Wes was like, well, come work for me as a manager in my in my fruit, well, in my mushroom wholesale business. That was an overnight permanent sh uh, job, but managing it. Um, and then we'll start a mushroom farm. Like we're going to go at it hard and we're going to build our own mushroom farm. Was that in the old Melbourne market? Or yeah, 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 I went in like was, a yeah. year of the old market and did yeah. the transition to the new. I was in that for five years, that job. I was like, I'm coming in for six months. We're going to start a mushroom farm. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you. I came in that. with like my American charm, right? Like we have, and, and I know, I'm not patting anybody on the back, especially not myself, but he's like, 
it is a breath of fresh air to have somebody come in and do customer service here. And that's like, you know, that's what I experienced whenever I was in the States. So when people come in, they get like a customer service experience. But in the market, if you can imagine, it's a bunch of dudes, they know each other. Like it's a very like hierarchical, no one really talks outside of their, you know, their own. So me coming in and also having all this passion about mushrooms, I was bringing in customers, mate. And they were like, no, I wanna go talk to this guy. He knows what he's doing. He's like slinging me mm. deals, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. So. His business was booming. He didn't really want to start a mushroom farm because his cash cow was now going as good as it had been in the last, you know, four or five years. Plus, the mushroom market at that time was where it went straight up, right? If you remember, there was a time where mushrooms were $20 a box and then they went to 40 and 60 and, and mm. sometimes 80 bucks. We even got to $90 a box. Four Just kilo that's a reminder everyone out there, mushrooms are fucking dear. Yeah, yeah. And it stayed that way for the next four years of me being in that job. So mushroom industry had money floating around, right? But I didn't want to be in this like sales role. I hate sales. I can sell mushrooms because I have passion around it, but I don't like sales. Like I want to, I'm the technician. I'm the technical guy, right? So I wanted to do that. And I kept, you know, we kept beating the ground every once in a while out there trying to get investments and trying to start up a, a nice little urban farm or even a rural one. Didn't really matter at this point. I would take anything, anything, and we could start it. We just never pulled the Pulled the plug. Pulled the plug. Never pulled the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pulled the plug. We never pulled the trigger. I'm like, how, how is this working? Here, I'm trying to animate it, like hanging myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We never pulled the trigger. Uh, and I told the guy, I was like, I love Wes. He's great. He's a great sort of another sort of business mentor. And we worked really well together as partners, and it worked. And we started up a little thing where we actually brought over the technique, uh, the, the the technique to grow morel mushrooms, and it's like wow. the best morel cultivation system in the world. I'm like linked up with this Chinese guy who's just been in his farm, like developing it since 2008. And in 2012, when they came on, like the all of China started growing morels. They can harvest somewhere around one to two tons per hectare. This guy came on the scene like three or four years later and he can grow 10 to 15 tons per hectare. He needs to work with the soil and we've not been able to get it in the Australian soil yet after four or five years of trying, but last year we got our first like hope and it's all around like working with the soil and the environment, but he's done it everywhere else in the world. I remember, I remember getting some Australian growing morels out of CJ large yeah. quantities. It must have been probably five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mate. Well, they, they, there are Australian native morels growing everywhere. Yeah. So it's like taking the strain and expanding it out and getting those to grow under like control. Now this system, it works everywhere else in the world to grow 10 to 15 tons of, of morels per hectare. But we, <laughs> for the hectare that we planted out, we got about a kilo, you know, mm. and lots of work and effort went in, but that wasn't enough, right? So that's only a very small portion of the year. And we just dipped our toe in that, but it wasn't enough to keep me around. I was like, I gotta do something else. So I gave Wes like a year notice. I'm like, I am looking for something else. And I took my sweet time about it. I didn't want to just jump into another role. But as soon as I changed my status on LinkedIn, um, the, one of the co-founders of Fable, Chris McLaughlin, he immediately got on. So I was like on his register, like as soon as anything came up, he was ready to reach out to me and he did. And he's like, hey, I have a mushroom farm, big, largest organic uh, uh, button farm in Australia. And we've got all this extra money around, like with the mushroom market being so great, plus organic mushrooms being on top of it, like they're making bank. So I've got this little, a little bit of extra money and we wanna do some exotics and do fermentation and do medicinals. And I'm like, sweet, that's amazing. Show me, like, what do we got? 
And it, it just wasn't everything to start up. I needed to do the whole thing, which was awesome. But it meant that I was going from something super secure to something sort of really high risk and entrepreneurial again. How's the wife? Once bitten, twice shy. She was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And it took eight months of him like working on me and and all that. But then it sealed the deal when we went to a mushroom conference. So we were down in Melbourne. There was a mushroom agaricus button mushroom conference in Sydney. And he's like, I want to fly you up here. I want you to be at this conference. And I'm like, it's button mushrooms, man. I don't want to go. Like, it's not my, I want to do exotics and things like that. He's like, I just need you to come up here just today, if nothing else, so that everyone will see you with me and we'll just create a stir. And I was like, I'm in for that. I'll go. <laughs> yeah. And all of my old people that I used to work with in the industry, all that sort of stuff, I flew up there. And on my way, I was getting text messages while in the airport. Like, you gotta get here, man. There's somebody talking about medicinal mushrooms and cordyceps, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the airport. I got so much FOMO. <laughs> I got there, and his talk was well done, right? But Chris, like, zipped me through, like, the social crowd, and I know you would, you know what it's like when you go to a conference. It's everybody who knows everybody, and it's like, you need to give people a little bit of your time. You know, my old customers, people I used to work with, they just zipped me right through the room of my old bosses. I'm like, hey, what's up? And I went and spoke to this old, a Thai professor called Anon, Anon Atragal. And he had just done his talk and no one was talking to him here at this conference. He was standing all alone. And I came up to him and we just talked for the next six hours, just like the world stopped. There were only three moments of like this in my life. One was when I got married, my wife was standing there looking at me all beautiful and the world just stopped. And then there was the time I met Anon which was the world just stopped. Everybody else went about there. We talked for six hours, standing in the same spot. They're like, guys, we gotta go get dinner. And like, well, let's carry this on. And then the other time was with Heston. Mm. That's another, that's a future story. But uh, so I'm with this guy and he's, it was just amazing, right? And we sat at the dinner table and Chris, he was like, this is what you'll do if you come to work for me. And I was like, sign me up, we'll figure it out. I'm doing it. Mm. That was eight months in, I ended up, waiting another couple months to actually start working with him. But in that time, Anon invited us over to a wedding for his son. I brought over a gift of cordyceps for him, but it, Anon is like almost royalty in the mushroom space. So he's got all these people from all around the world. Well, he was a, a leader in, oh, some, some world organization, their fungi leader. So he just had a touch with everybody. There was some some royalty there from Thailand. There was some royalty there from Africa. There was all kinds of people, but he's flicking through all these amazing, important people who are gonna be at the wedding before I get there. And one flicker of Heston Blumenthal comes up, but he just passes right through it. I'm like, wait, 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 go back, go back. I just saw Heston, what, what do you have to do with that? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's coming over. He wants to do some mushroom stuff. And I'm like, no way, can I meet him while he's there? He's like, absolutely, you can meet him, great. I went with the knowledge that I'm gonna go to Thailand I'm gonna enjoy like this life with Anon learning his way of doing fermentation, which he's a medicine guy. Oh, this is great. We get there and we're just like wined and dined and fermented nined, whatever you wanna call it, everything. Just ginger beers and these, that's all the other. And, and I've taken his methods and his things and I've expanded them out with some of my own flair. And that's what I make for my team. Like I don't, I, we don't make it to sell to anybody, but make for the team. So we make fermented lion's mane and bamboo mushrooms, you know, all the brain stuff, yeah, cordyceps, all this stuff, right? So I get there, get that exposure. Then I get taken on a tour of all his like students' farms and that's where Heston's coming. So I get like the pre-tour and then Heston comes and I get to be his guide for a day. 
Like sick. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> Love it. Man, but that's like getting way ahead. So Chris came along and then we did that at that conference. And then I started working with him. We then I went to work for Chris. And as soon as I started working for Chris in 2019, January one, mushroom market took a crash down and all that extra money that was around. And they just hired their most expensive new talent. Like I was the last one in and the first to go. And it was only six months. They, you know, they really there wasn't much around for me to do. What I ended up doing, instead of making this brand new, amazing urban farm or making fermentations or medicinals is like, I'm working with scraps on an agaricus farm. Like my nightmare, here we go. But it's- Honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, it, it, was, it was a bit of a debacle, it was crazy. But here I am in the throes of it. I was just vegan and I, and I learned, like I was vegan for a whole year whenever I was working in the fruit and veg wholesale market because there's veg everywhere and I figured I could you know, manage it and I did. But in that, I created a mushroom-based meat, some of the early versions of Fable, to like fool myself because the whole mock thing, I just couldn't do it as a vegan. I just, there's so much stuff in it. So I was happy to eat vegetables, but I got a real hankering for meat because of a trip back to Texas during that period. And I was like, to see this year out, I need something to fool my brain that it's eating meat, that's it. So I was developing and I was using the offcuts of the mushrooms to make it. They have long fibers, they've got all this delicious food that's left over after harvesting mushrooms. I'll tell you some stats here. So costas, they grow, yeah, well, I'm not just the substrate, but the actual offcuts mm. of the mushrooms, right? Mm. So costas, they grow 350 tons of mushrooms at that one site per week. And they grow that off of 1,500 tons of composted wheat straw. So those are some numbers. But then they have about 75 tons of offcuts, just offcuts. And this is all food that has peat moss attached to it. So peat moss cooks up terrible. It's gritty. It's awful when you cook. It smells and tastes like petrol. And there's no real way to get rid of that peat other than to cut it twice. And the most expensive portion of any business is the labor, and especially in mushroom farms. So you got a picker who's picking 19 kilos an hour, that's great. If you get him to double cut, all of a sudden he's picking eight kilos an hour because he's got to work with that extra waste. So they just won't do it. They won't double cut, so they'll never collect this waste. And big businesses like Costas pay to have that removed. So. Here we are at this small, at the smaller agaricus farm with all these like one ton of offcuts every week. And I'm like, mate, we can do so much with that. And I spent most of my time just working with that, trying to figure out how to clean it up. And that was the issue. They've been working on it for a hundred years or more and no one really has it figured out how to clean that peat moss off like in a scaled way. This stuff then just becomes cow food or compost, but it's like fresh food. It's hard to compost fresh food. You gotta mix it in with lots of other you know, fibrous material and it gets stinky and awful. So it's gotta be carted well away. That's why Costas is just like, I'll pay to get rid of it, pay to get rid of it, get it out of here sort of thing. But yeah, so that's what I ended up doing for the next few months. And then we realized me and Chris, well, there's a business in that. Costas has 75 tons a week that they're paying to get rid of. You got a ton here on this farm. Every mushroom farmer in the world is gonna have some waste. We're gonna do a business out of it. Let's go get some investment and like me and Chris just start a business. And that was in six months into 2019. In doing so, we were introduced by the investors to a third co-founder of Fable, that's Michael Fox. And he was out there beating the pavement, like trying to start up his own mushroom thing. Um, and he had done, he'd gone most of the way commercializing a product with suppliers, manufacturers, the supply chain, and we had a complementary skill set. So it was just great. 
he, he's great in branding and finance. He was most of the way along with already dealing with manufacturers. Like me and Chris, if we were to do that, Michael's already a year and a half, two years in front of us. So mm, yeah. pairing up, just fast-tracked everything that we were doing. We had a complementary products. We weren't even competing with what we already had. And I got to step in and make everything better for all of us. So I came in as the technical guy, Michael Finance, and then Chris, like somewhere between, interpreting between me and Michael, because Michael only speaks finance and branding. I only speak technical. And in between, that terminology doesn't work out. Mm. But Chris had a world, a foot in both worlds and could very easily interpret confidently what I was saying from the technical world and, and making that into financial speak and everything Michael was doing on starting our brand and we're co-founding a business, Chris is interpreting back to me. Like here I am the pleb that only knows like the technical mushroom stuff and co-founding a business. It's gonna go on and at scale do something that'll be global, right? So that was great, That's that was it. That's the sort of marriage. We met once for coffee, but left the rest of the day open for all three of us. And we ended up spending the entire day together. And it was not long after that before we got married and started a business called Fable. And it, for me, like when, when it was talking about business names and, and, and what it could be, I don't remember with the list of everything else. It, as soon as Fable was said, it's like that storytelling, that's magical, that's what we do. We tell fables already. I do mushroom hunting tours. Whenever you came along with me in 2016 or whatever it was, yeah. we, we spoke fables. We told stories. So, and if people want to, you know, you're going to tell me about Fable as well, but uh, uh, if you want to hear about Michael Fox, he was actually on the podcast as well. So go back and look at that one. That one's a cracker podcast that was, as well. I, I think that's his best podcast that he's ever done. I mean, he's done lots, but that yeah. was so genuine. Yeah. And you were cooking during yeah, it. We had yeah. the Heston barbecue, which yeah. I don't know if I recommend, but um, now it's really good actually. Cause <laughs> Heston mm, probably mm, mm. Um, yeah, he, we were cooking the meat on the, or the mushroom meat or the Fable yeah. on the uh, thing. And um, it was on the deck and yeah, it was. It was a really good podcast, but um, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit because you know I apparently have a podcast and not, but yeah, no, but I, I feel so second rate here. Now get back on with your story, man. What is going? When did I, I do want to touch on because I know that me and you could talk for literally this could be yep. a ten-hour podcast. Uh -huh. um, just a little bit more about um, you know let's get into the fable story because yep. that is the thing yeah. and tell us how that's going because it, it's progressed much to the yeah. to a, a new yeah. level so let's yeah. let's talk about that and then I want to talk about some weird and funky mushrooms and um, some that's trips cool. and I do if you're okay I want you to uh, touch on that Heston story a little bit I will tell that okay, Heston story um, so it, in <laughs> chronological order I should tell the Heston story first but yep, yep. know that Heston story comes before moving into Fable, and Heston was our first customer. So, okay, well, let's go there first. Okay, cool. So Thailand, and this was 2018, and I know I'm going to go meet Heston, and I take a gift of cordyceps. This is cordyceps gunnii, um, and I, I talk about cordyceps like everybody knows what it is. I'll just back up and tell the little story about it. Yes. So to tell the story about cordyceps, I have to tell the story of the wattle goat moth, and that is... <clears throat> There'll be a test afterwards. Yeah, yeah. an oxycanus species of insect. It's a big moth. And people recognize it as like the bogong moth or the big moth. And, I, and as I'm talking about it, I'm showing both hands open up because the wingspan is huge on these things. And the body, if you can imagine, is really meaty. Like, and, it, and, and the body in a larvae form is much like a witchetty grub, just big, fat, full larvae, right? So that's, that's key to the story. So this moth lays its eggs on a silver or black wattle and it lays eggs of like 300 to 500 at once and all these little larvae are wood boring they hatch they go into the wattle and eat their way down 
and it could take years to do it. They eat really slowly and they get really big doing it. It could take up to five, eight years and they'll be living in the root system, just getting fatter and fatter and fatter and growing longer until they're triggered by whatever it is that triggers them. It's environmental and then some other sort of life functions. They'll dig a tunnel straight to the surface and depending on how deep the root is, that's how far the tunnel has to go, right? So it could be uh, it could be well deeper than this, but the longest one we've ever found was 800 millimeter. Um, but they dig a tunnel straight up from the root to the surface. And then to protect it while they do the rest of their life function, they line it with silk and like clog it up with silk so nothing can fall in and so that it, the, the ground can't shift. They line it with silk and go back down all the way back and then they pupate. So they form a chrysalis, whatever, and then they... Um, they'll wiggle, whenever that's full metamorphosis is done and it's fully turned into a moth sitting at the bottom of this hole in a capsule, that capsule will wiggle up the silk-lined tunnel. No joke. And you'll see this under acacia. Sometimes you'll just see like a split open um, shell and they're sticking out of these holes that have webs all around them. That's it. It's these moths that have erupted and they then spread their wings and fly away. That's the healthy life cycle. Um, now, if the spore from this mushroom is around, and it's literally everywhere in the right environment. So uh, if the spores around, all it's got to do is touch them. It doesn't have to be consumed or breathed in. It's just got to be in the soil when they're crawling through. And the mycelium, it just has to get on their body and then it goes to work. It exerts like this pressure and mushrooms like, it, it took you on my tours and I talked about mushrooms like carving out their niche in society with the ability to like mine into the mineral rock. Yep. Like mushrooms have a massive amount of pressure that they can exert. And here it's just this soft bodied little organism, right? So it just dumps in, all the genetic material goes in and straight to the brain and it takes over. Biochemical control over the beast, it drives it now. This is called the zombie fungus, right? So now the zombie goes back downstairs, it's driven to do the thing. But in this case, it doesn't have a lot to do. It just goes back downstairs and that's it. And it stops everything else. It digests the entire thing, engulfs it in fungi, uh, in mycelium and it digests every bit of the larvae except for its eye. I have some in my bag, I should have pulled it out so I could just show you while we're talking about it, but <laughs> the only thing it doesn't digest is the eye. Yeah, it's in the, it, yeah, in the yeah. back of the U. <laughs> Sweet, um, yeah, so it eats everything except that eye. The eye is made of chitin. Mushroom cell walls are made of chitin, so it don't digest itself, it doesn't digest the chitin eye. So the, the question they were often asked is, are these vegan, and yeah, well, it, if you're thinking about eating the thing, maybe don't eat the eye because that's original caterpillar material. The rest of it's all fungus though. Um, it's a vegetarian. Well, I, we actually had Peter Singer. Yeah, here you go, have a look. So I'm showing this, this uh, caterpillar larvae that has the mushroom that's grown out of it. So I didn't talk about this yet. Let me, t let me fully describe it. So um, it'll, it'll digest it in mycelium and use all of its body nourishment to then fruit a mushroom up this tunnel. And that mushroom can be as long as the tunnel is, so 800 millimeters long. These here are only somewhere around 10 to 15 centimeters. And that's kind of average. If you're lucky, you go along in the woods and you see this little black finger sticking out of the ground and, and you can pull on it and wiggle it. And if you pull it just right, you can get the worm attached to the bottom of it. And that's what these are. These have been harvested in Victoria. And I know like the areas where you can go to sort of find these things. And that when you find them, they are like in plague amounts. So there's no like over harvesting that's ever gonna be done with these things for sure. They are literally everywhere in the right places, but they're not everywhere, right? So 
That is a cool thing. It's got this cool life cycle. It's got a cool story. And cordyceps, the fungus, it, there's a, it's species-specific to the insect. So this is a very specific species of cordyceps that's taken over a specific species of insect. But there's one for everything, like ants and spiders and butterflies and scorpions. They all have a different cordyceps that infects them. <clears throat> wow. And David Attenborough did like a planet Earth thing where they actually got footage of like the zombie ants like that with their infected brain. And whenever other ants recognize that there's a zombie amongst them, like pick it up and get it away because they know what's happening next. This thing is driven to climb. I got friends like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> climb up over everybody, fully veg out, become a mushroom, mushroom fruits out of the head, bursts spores from the tip and it rains down over a colony this is like nature's biological control mechanism nothing ever gets the upper hand so if you're a species that's out of control on the planet something's going to come along to check you and in this case well i don't know man there's one for almost every insect on the planet we jumped in our like in our ecological role as a species on this planet we jumped from the middle of the ladder right to the top so we skipped over a bunch of evolution it'll catch up It'll eventually catch up. And, and I think Heston might be patient zero for the amount of this stuff that he's concerned. <laughs> right, so this is the story of the wattle goat moth. Then the story of the cordyceps that comes out of it. Well, why is that interesting? Because there are some target therapeutic compounds that all cordyceps are measured for their value and functionality. And these cordyceps gunii have all the same things that are in the cordyceps sinensis. That's cordyceps sinensis is the famous one in the world, the athletic performance natural enhancer, right? And it came onto the world stage. Oh, it's got a long traditional cultural history in China. It's the most valuable ingredient in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, but in the mid nineties, that's when the rest of the world sort of caught on to what it is because some Chinese athletes won some world games. They weren't known to be proficient at getting gold medals in and the rest of the world accuses them of doping. They're investigated, nothing found in their system, but the, sh the coach is essentially just showing like, this is all we use is cordyceps sinensis. The rest of the world catches on. At that time, so these little cordyceps sinensis are no more than like 0.2 of a gram at average, and the maximum is like 0.5 of a gram. And for context, these Australian ones are averaging somewhere between three and five full grams. So like 10 times bigger on average, right? And the same target therapeutic compounds exist in both. But these cordyceps sinensis got known uh, for, the, for those world games, the rest of the world catches on and the value skyrockets, like multiplies by 10. So in 1995, they were sitting at $300 a kilo. In the turn of the century, they were three grand a kilo. Then marketing jumps in and talks about what those target therapeutic compounds are and markets them as an herbal Viagra. Exactly. And then this, pr the, the price skyrockets again by another factor of 10. And then it's like... Um, uh, uh, jumps up to around two hundred thousand dollars a kilo in two thousand and fourteen. Those four target therapeutic compounds in there are adenosine, which is a nucleotide. It's in your cellular mechanics. It slots in the DNA production. It's also the base for adenine triphosphate (ATP), which is the body's energy currency. So it provides you with energy, um, up to fifty percent more production of ATP when it's around energy. Then there's uh, cordycepin, which is three prime deoxy adenosine. And if you know anything about chemistry, Anything that's deoxy is hungry for oxygen. It just pulls it in from everywhere. So when it's in around there, it pulls in atmospheric O2 into your cellular stuff. It then delivers more oxygen around, up to 40% more oxygen in the blood absorbed. So oxygen then goes into metabolism and this, that, the other. You got more longevity, energy, stamina. Right? Then there's cordycepic acid, which is mannitol. It's a sugar alcohol. If you smell it, they, they smell quite sweet. Mm -hmm. That's the sugar alcohol. 
Mm. Cordycepic acid, mannitol. Um, then there's fungal beta-glucans. Fungal is an important component there. Your body recognizes fungal beta-glucans as potential pathogens. There are beta-glucans in some uh, of the plant world, but in the fungi world, your body recognizes them as potential pathogens and mounts an immune response. Wow. And with these, they're innocuous so long as you don't eat too much of them. And uh, yeah, you have an immune boost ready to go. So energy, stamina, immunity. Now marketing, jumping in and making it into that herbal Viagra, oxygen in a male's blood improves, improves all aspects of his performance. So it's about that. And if you eat these things, yeah, you can get all that energy, stamina, libido, boom, all that sort of stuff, right? So I tell this story. Well, oh, <laughs> so I've talked about the value, right? At 2014, it got up to $200,000 a kilo. It is really unlikely that this stuff gets overconsumed, especially the Chinese stuff, but there are some insanely wealthy Chinese out there who like to show status. So they'll drop two or three of these Chinese cordycepsinensis in their own personal cup of tea or soup, and they'll consume that. And if they consume all that and the stars align, they'll get vertigo. So that's overdoing it. And your brain and your body get out of time with each other. The world goes on a slant. You get into even slip into different realities, as I'm told. I've experienced, I haven't personally experienced it myself, but I've experienced other people having this for several times. Because why? This thing is so big compared to those Chinese ones. And if you eat a little bit of this, you feel amazing. And you might feel inclined to eat more because of how good you feel. Mm. And it's happened time and again. People have consumed it for a long time. Then they'll just be like, I'll have a little bit more. Plus, I'll have... Uh, a bit of caffeine because I just need all this extra stuff. Caffeine and stress and this, that, the other, and then all of a sudden you get vertigo. And I've seen it happen to several people. So I didn't get the, that far in telling Heston that you can overdo it. Like I told him this long story about the wattle goat moth <laughs> and the traditional cultural value and how expensive they were. And by that time, he just ate a whole stick, a bigger one than this. Dry? A dried one. He just ate it. He chucked it all in his mouth and was chewing it up. And before I even knew, because I was passionately telling the story, I look over and he's consumed one. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. You shouldn't have eaten that much. Like, it, it's your first go round. Like, we don't know. But you know what? I've been sitting here. And you know how I said that magical thing? It yeah. only happened three times. We had just had that moment. And the world had stopped. And I hadn't known. He was like my brother from another mother, whatever you call it, like we were in, entangled, right? We were fungi, here we are in the same mycelium that we came from the same place. We're cut of the same cloth. We're both chefs, we eat fermented things, we eat stuff off the ground, we're garbage guts. Like I've had more than 10 of these at once and never had a bad experience. And yeah, you're the same as me. Yeah, you're cool, no big deal. Then he ate another stick, like while I'm justifying that he just did the first one, I'm like, oh my God, no more, stop, stop. There, you're like, stop, I'm sorry I made you comfortable to do that. Um, I was just justifying this whole thing. But yeah, okay, no more, please no more, right? We're walking around on this farm in Thailand. Like I told you, I had previously gone around and seen all these farms, so I got to be his guide. And walking around, it's hot and humid in Thailand, he's really close shaven and it's like sweating, dripping off his bald head like profusely, and I'm like, are you good? And he's like, don't worry, I just have a sweaty head. Um, but he's at the same time walking backwards, and, he's, and he tells me, I got vertigo. And I'm like, he's got vertigo. Yeah. And from my experience, six to 10 hours is this journey, right, of being <laughs> dissociative. And he's in the very beginning portion of it. And maybe, just maybe, it was only a little bit too much. Like, nobody knows, but he just consumed like 20 times more than anybody who's ever had their first exposure to it and then started having a bad experience. So, yeah, it's probably going to be bad. And his whole entourage, they're Asian, knew what he had, knew what he did. And they're buzzing around like angry, silent and respectful bees. Like, But the energy was so heavy. 
And I'm like, this is not the right. No, we got it. Like, <laughs> you just got to cool out because who knows what's about to happen. Take him to the air conditioned like um, uh, gift shop on the mushroom farm that we're on. And I have a, a UE boom, which is a speaker in my backpack. And I also have a microphone that I just bought on the streets of Thailand. And I, it's like, let's do some karaoke. Everybody likes that. Of course. Yeah. So of everyone course. chills out. We all I'm calm down. We're singing back. some music. And I passed the microphone to Heston. It was Sweet Home Alabama. And it was just like, <laughs> couldn't even speak. Couldn't even get the words out. He was smiling. He was there. He was like engaged, but he couldn't do it. And it only deteriorated further. An hour later, he's delivered away in the back of a van on the flat of his back. Couldn't move. Couldn't speak. Couldn't even blink to tell us he was okay. Like I was excommunicated from the group immediately. I, they assumed that I had just killed the guy. We were waiting for a call from the hospital to tell us this guy's gone. I clearly was like, this is bad. My career is over, if nothing else. If he gets <laughs> through it, like, well, I'm done. Uh, but if he doesn't make it, I'm going to Thai prison. It was a long, shameful ride back to my hotel. I'm packing my sweat and despair, like not knowing what's coming. And four hours or something later, after that four-hour shameful ride, I get a phone call, and it's Heston. And he's regained the ability to speak. He's still a little chattery. He's like, you want to come over for a beer and a debrief on what just happened? I'm like, sweet, yeah, I'll come over. That's great. He's gotten through this thing. And now I know we're on the ups. That's great. So I go over to his hotel and um, come inside. His wife's on Skype. She's pretty angry at me, like yelling and, you know, upset. But he closes the laptop and he's like, I get it. I did it. It was me. It wasn't you. You did nothing wrong. Don't stress. Do you have any more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, this is so rock star Heston. But he's like, I never felt more clarity in my mind, my mind, my brain was so on fire. I just couldn't get it to communicate with the rest of my body, but I loved it. Can I have some more please? And I brought him 50 grams, gift wrap, nice little card, all of that. And, and since then, like I've given him twice more, like that amount, he never overdid it again until, and there's an until, but, and that's recent. Um, but he came along on the journey and, and he became a friend, like a close personal friend. And he came along the journey with Fable, launched a couple of products with us, launched a Heston burger at Grilled. He was on our retail packs at, at Woolies and Coles for a time, like total friend. Um, but then he came over to film MasterChef two weeks ago in Melbourne. And he had put aside two days to be with me. And I just got off the back of doing these mushroom tours. so. It, Context there is I do these tours through mushroom season. I'll do eight every weekend for like six weeks in a row. We'll do a couple in Victoria, a couple in New South Wales, and then up in Queensland, right? So I just got off the back of round two, New South Wales, just going, 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 and went straight from New South Wales down to Victoria, straight to Melbourne, I mean, straight to uh, Heston's Airbnb. And right in and it was just another one of those moments and he wanted me to tell the story of how we met to his girlfriend and and i did and i threw out some cordyceps on the table and told this whole story and it was amazing we stayed awake till like 3 a.m just talking about the vortexes and time and the birth of the planet and the ethereal nature this that the other and it was like well we got all day tomorrow we need to go to bed and let's just let's go to bed and get up early and and get out He's knocking on my door, 7 a.m., sprightly ready to go. He's here for it. I'm here for it. This is amazing. We're going to go out to the woods and just chill the whole day, walking around, telling fables, crazy times, right? And he's, he's like lined up stuff on the breakfast table to show me and walk me through a story. And I go downstairs, and he had a swig on a gin bottle. I'm like, woo, starting early, rock and roll, cool. And he ate a tiny, <laughs> one tiny little piece of cordyceps that was on the table, and he just ate it. I'm like, sweet. He wants that energy. I do too. I had a little bit. 
And then we got in the car, we went for coffee, meet my wife, and got out of the car, and he just spilled out on the floor, spilled out on the sidewalk. <laughs> and he lost his ability to walk and talk. Like, he was dissociative. And his girlfriend ran to his aid, and she's like, I can't get him up. He's, his legs, they don't work, and he's not speaking. How many of those mushrooms did he eat? I'm like, what mushrooms? He only had a tiny little bit of the stuff. He's like, those worms. Whenever he woke me up, breakfast at bed, and at 6 a.m., he was like popping the things like popcorn, like eating them like a bag of potato chips. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. I don't know. Nobody knows how much of this stuff he's eaten, but clearly this is a vertigo thing. Wow. And it's another like, here we go, eight to 10 hours. It's going to be like this. He's like, no meaningful conversation was had that entire day. Unfortunately, I got him back in the car while like dodging all the people in like public St. Kilda Road. Like, no, he's <laughs> so, cool. So he's got, yeah, oh, he was being recognized. And I was just like, it's his legs, his legs, like he's broken his feet. Like, he's cool. <laughs> Nothing to see here, guys. Yeah, my wife just dragged the car Heston around. Yes, into exactly. the back of the van. Yeah, like, uh, exactly. Yeah. Just, it's, no, it's fine. Exactly. Uh, we, we've actually done this before in Thailand. So, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I wish he could have agreed with me, but he couldn't. <laughs> Like, it was just like, blah, 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 blah. I just drugged Heston, right? Gagged him and put him in the back of my van. And then I took him to his hotel. Like, clearly this day is done. And I told his girlfriend, look, I'll take you back. I'll help you get him upstairs. I'm sorry that this happened. No one can control, you know, it just, he was trying to get energy clearly for the day. He's had too many cordyceps. I get it. He's got it. He's a vertigo. He's vertigo town. He's done for the day. Take him back to his hotel. He wouldn't get out of the car at all. He just he refused to get out of the car. He couldn't respond, but he was like, <laughs> and just shaking. But in the back of my car in public St. Kilda Road, and I see Matt Preston walk by, and I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't be seen here. This can't be happening. <laughs> and I was like, I had organized to go out in the forest and then go hang out at this really cool place where we do the mushroom tours in Victoria. Yeah. This woodshed, sit around a fire tell stories all day, you know, if it was too cold. So I had already organized that. And I told these people, we're not coming. But then I called them like two hours later. I was like, I'm still sitting here outside of his hotel. Can we come up there and sit him by the fire? Because he's not getting out of my car and we're in a way too public place. So we did. We went up there, sat him in front of a fire. And he just like sat there with a blanket over his lap, shaking and telling his own stories to himself in his head while we sat around and like just looked after him. It was great. Eh, ish. <laughs> it was great adjacent. Um, so anyway, I ended up taking him back to his hotel and dropping him off, walking him behind a shopping trolley because he's now able to sort of shuffle around. <laughs> Got him all the way upstairs behind a shopping I'm trolley. Yeah, exactly, right? Just, just walking, Eston. You would have had your baby and plenty on. <laughs> oh, my it. God. I was like incognito for sure, yeah. But anyway, I dropped him off. I was like, yeah, we didn't really share anything meaningful other than the space together. And I'm like, Heston, it's been great vibrating with you. And he was able to like meaningfully get out like a thank you <laughs> and a hug and then i you know i just left i was like well this is over like that friendship can't be right <laughs> like anymore because now we've gone on this thing and and he's overdone it because of that stuff i splayed out on the table it's like my fault again and he's overdone it we did hang over too you know had that whole experience <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, he's going to film MasterChef and then go. That was, that was the last opportunity. And unfortunately, I'm not going to get to see him again. He calls me the next day. He's like, you want to come over for a beer and a debrief on what just happened? <laughs> no joke, no word of a lie. I bring my family over and I get inside. And he's like, mate, it was the most amazing experience. I still am piecing it all together. I thank you so much. I have so much gratitude for you. The best experience of my life. 
thank you. Can I have some more? And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm shell shocked. I'm still like, I'm in this, like, it's still going like, ah. So we organized, it was his birthday to have a party for him at Grilled. I couldn't be there because I was doing my tours. So we just organized to have this party. And I was supposed to send them a cordyceps extract for their drinks. And it still was billed on their menu as a cordyceps extract. But I was like, no. No, I'm sending them lion's mane. They can have some cognitive enhancement, but no more cordyceps. I am not doing this. I'm not fueling this addiction. That's not where we want to be. No, no, no. So that's my crazy Heston sort of tale. And normally you'd be on a tour and I'd tell you that story and then I'd give you some of the vodka that's been extracted with this stuff. If yeah, you got a kettle, yeah, if yeah. you got a kettle, we can like extract some into some tea. And I promise that. an extract is not going to be an issue, but don't eat the worm. <laughs> Am I? Nah, or just boil it, then we'll, we'll boil yeah, it. Yeah, 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 sorry, mate. Yeah, a liter. I, um, I was at that dinner, as I mentioned, with the Costa guys the other, the other night, and um, um, after it, we ended up going to some bar and had too many drinks, and I had a very important meeting yesterday with my board of directors, and uh, I was just a little bit messy going into this meeting, so I jumped into some cordyceps stuff that we've got in the office, yeah. Gala, yes. and uh, and some lion's days. mane, and uh, maybe some turkey tail. I was just making this cocktail of drinks. Yeah. I was just squirting double the dose him, and managed to go really, really well. Went home, walked the dogs, cooked dinner, told lots of jokes to my in-laws, and had a great time. It's fantastic. So uh, yeah, cordyceps is a is a definite Nate. wonderful thing. Yes, it's that, it does, it does that energy, does that stamina, does that libido. My wife is a Western researcher, right? She's in cancer research. Wow. Uh, and yeah, that is a wow. She's like top of her field, a performer, something, a spectacle, amazing. She is so awesome, but she doesn't expand her consciousness at all and doesn't like play in the space of any traditional Chinese medicine. As soon as you say TCM to a Western researcher, they're like, okay, <laughs> no, 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 thanks. <laughs> my, my son's a, um, what is Pharmacist. he? Pharmacist. Yeah. And he is, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, go do your huju buju. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's what she's like, go but eat your worms. That, that was Jared, <laughs> who you met the other day. And he actually, yeah, yeah everything that, uh, he actually questioned one thing, and what was it? He, he didn't understand the, liver, the, the, the vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D in the yeah. sun. Yeah. He, he said, because in the body that happens with the liver, liver. or something, that was the only thing he, of all the, all yeah. the, all the stories and, yeah. and, and as you said, some people see them in hocus pocus. Like, he's, that was the only one from, yeah. a, from his mindset yeah. that, that, that he questioned. So, um, and that's yeah. big for him. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. I feel like well, it's true. actually made him start believing and, in things uh, like this. And normally yeah. Scarlett actually comes on those things, but she was crook, so um, yeah. that's what Jareth came the other day. But get back onto your beautiful wife, who's um, not going into the zone. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'll just keep that one succinct and um, PG, but, uh, you know, she's like, go eat your worms. That's fine. <laughs> Tell me your stories. I don't, you know, whatever. She's just going to listen because she's just going to listen. But it was only about eight to ten days later after I was consuming them daily that she pricked up and she's like, what was the name of those mushrooms again? Yeah, she noticed a bit of a change in my behavior. So there's a little bit of an anecdote to it, but uh, yeah, she went on to start researching them because she's like, okay, well, there's clearly something in there. And she's performed a little bit of research applying extracts of these to cancer cells in dishes. And she applied like a couple of renal because she had some kidney and, and a gastric cancer and another, I think a colon cancer. And it obliterated all these cancer cells in the petri dish like something amazing and it's like buzzed around in our little scientific community people who are like listening and they're like oh my god like that's cool it obliterated all those cells within like 12 hours that's great 
like what else can it kill mm. and they ended up putting it out against like this um immortal cell line that can't be killed with chemo they applied the cordyceps extract and just as you would imagine it didn't work right like they applied it and they're like well nothing can kill that one so it's not like a, a fail but you know whatever go on for a couple of days and just before she throws it out she has a look at it again and it's killed all those cells and it's like created this little bit of a stir in that environment. It's like forming the basis of a whole research project. Is this meant to be a secret? I, no, like that, she like, has, <laughs> no, she's like, she's forming the basis of resource, yeah. like it's happening now. Like, yeah. She's so way ahead of you guys, very don't even slowly. try and catch Yeah, up. yeah, yeah, no, it's great, it's great. <laughs> so, I don't I mean, if there's research out there to be done, this this one, Cordyceps Gunny, I do the research on it. We've had lots of stuff behind what's in it. And now it's just applying those compounds to different things and seeing, you know, how they work and how it sticks. But yeah, super interesting, super functional, and it absolutely does something, right? And, and it does a lot of something if you have too much of it. Super mm. powerful. Never heard about anybody dying, and Heston has probably been the closest to skirt that. But if he's <laughs> going to consume, you know, like 20 grams of this stuff and not have that issue, well, maybe it's worth like going to touch the sun. You know, you wanna have a little ayahuasca cordyceps gunny eye session one day? <laughs> I'm in, <laughs> you know that. Um, what about, um, oh, I, I said your story just evolving, so I don't yeah. really wanna take you off the track, but no, so just keep telling me your story, man. Okay. I, could, I could ask you questions about yeah. the shows you've been on, that thing you did with yeah. Zac Efron, rah, rah. but let's, um, Oh, look at this. We've got a magic jar. What's you want to hook that up? So it's a jar. And so do we put in first? Actually, I've got some broken pieces. And yeah, yes, just put in do. some pieces. Okay. Look at that. And we'll actually brew up a little bit of a cordyceps tea while we're talking. Okay. So I'm going to, because there's a few of us here, I'm going to chuck in a little bit of this worm. Just, you know, no one consume the worm, but we'll, we'll have the extract. And we'll just break it up a bit. And give that maybe five, 10 minutes extracting, and then we'll just drink the water. Okay. Sorry about the dead air time, but yeah, snap, no, no, snap, no, no, snap, no, breaking it up. All, part of the story, all right, yeah. yeah, now you can go in there. And I'll tell you how it evolved from that. So that was, so back it up to where that originally happened in Thailand. That was late 2018, oh, sorry, 2019. No, that was late 2018. So 2019. How, 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 much, how much water, hang on? Yeah, yeah, go about half that jar. Okay. So we can all have like a cup of tea. Um, so then in mid-2019, that's whenever me and Michael and Chris all joined up for Fable. And we had Heston already along sort of, you know, as a friend. So he became our first customer in Fable. After we sort of put our rubber to the road and developed our first product, we uh, incorporated and, and founded Fable, I think, in October. And then had our first volume customers like at the end of November and December and launched our product at Heston, Dinner by Heston in Melbourne. It's no, no longer there, but Heston like hosted us to launch our product, which was such a cool scent, like just an amazing thing. And they looked after us so well and we served Cordyceps cocktails and we told the Cordyceps story to all these new people and it was just amazing. So that's where Fable sort of got in. And since it's been a couple of years, we, we hit the ground running, had, um, uh, a couple of big volume sort of meal kit customers that that uh, got our product out in front of people and they even let us put our fable sticker on it so it got presented to people as fable they didn't like bill it as fable but they did say there's mushroom meat 
And then when the mushroom meat came in their box, their vegetarian option, it had fable on it. So people just started getting a little bit of a touch with the name. And with the whole COVID thing, like we are whole, it was like premium restaurants first, and then just cascade down to like premium quick service, quick service, then hit retail. But COVID, all the restaurants and all the hospitality just sort of crashed and we didn't know it was going to happen. So we, you know, pivoted real quick into retail and it was an early, it was an early pull. We weren't planning on doing it straight away, but we had to. Retail was still going. So fortunately we had meal kits and we got into retail and that's whenever we put out our first sort of ready meals and we mm. put out our, 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 our main product, Fable, for people to go get. And it was at Woolworths and Coles now. The main product is just at Coles, but ready meals are available at both of those. And then we've got Harris Farms that have the product and, you know, fruit and veg guys. Yeah. Are you stocking our product now? Yes. Yeah. I don't look. Like, I'm, I'm not on the, I'm no, not on the know, sales actually, end of the business. I don't actually, know who I want Actually, we had a freezer full of it and it all got washed away in the, in the flood. No. And we actually haven't started again yet. But by the time this comes out, which will be soon, uh, we will be up and running. As I told the group that came, the boys from, um, uh, Tony Kelly and Nick Blake, yeah. you would have met. Yeah, I did. They did and, amazing yeah. things, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They did such cool stuff from that. I didn't know they were like filming on the sly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Created something amazing. It's oh, great. great. Yeah. Good guys. Um, wow. Okay. So where are we on the story? You've been telling this awesome story. Um, I really do. Um, I, I think the fable story is just great. And I think that you attract all these wonderful people because you're such a, a generous person yourself. You Mate. have a lot of time. Oh. You're away from your family a lot. I know yeah. you kids. Yeah. And, um, no, it does take a lot of commitment. So you just didn't get here and, and, and become this cool guy. Mm, and mm. Um, I think uh, a lot of people just, you know, have to work super, super hard. And you've done that. And congratulations, you just finished now. But what's next? Because you did the thing with Zac Efron last ha! year. True. And tell me about that and tell me about what's coming up and what are the opportunities that got born of that? Yeah, well, the Cordyceps story is so awesome that whenever we were contacted by these guys from down to earth, they were going to be filming season two in Australia. They wanted to do like plant-based meat segment and they reached out to Fable. And we're like, yeah, cool, but we can tell you so many more stories about mushrooms. Let's, let's do a mushroom episode. And they're like, cool, let's do a mushroom episode. It hasn't turned out to a mushroom episode, but it has like, they've incorporated a bunch of it. We went hunting for the Cordyceps mushroom just as a cool aside. And then with Zac Efron and Darren Olean, after going out to the forest and spending all that day like vibrating at the highest that you could imagine, we went back to the Fable Kitchen, my garage in Wallen, <laughs> of all places, rural Victoria. We've got all these camera crews and that in my sleepy little suburb. And we go into my garage. It's all glass walled. So we're looking out at my parkland, which just happened to be full of people who kind of got the word. Mm -hmm. Like all my wife's friends, my runner friends, like mm -hmm. the park was full of people. They were just kind of get a peek. Um, but took him, back to the, took him back to the Fable Kitchen, cooked him up all these dishes, cooked them up all these dishes and just had a lovely like celebration of what we do and the science of the cooking. And it ends up being like a 12 minute Fable commercial advertisement, like totally unpaid for, like just like actual genuine Love. And they've, we, we got to see the segment about a month ago. I was in LA to see the final cut of where it's going in. So this will come out in July or August, 2022. Um, season two down to earth. And it looks like we may be in episode one. 
And, but I've seen our final edit and it is just so well done where they talk about the zombie fungus and they incorporate that to the story and they talk about mushrooms as medicines. They talk about it being the most efficient agricultural crop on the planet, which is such a big thing. And then like the crescendo to it all is they get fed the fable. The crew comes eats fable because the smell is around and everybody's loving it. And then it just ends on Zach eating a fable burger and his eyes rolling back in his head saying, this is so much better than me. Like, how could you do that any better? And mm. it's so good, this down to earth thing. Like, we gave them so much content in that day that they were like, there's a lot of content here. There's potentially something else that could be done. I won't say anything more about that, but it's potential that something else is gonna be done around mushrooms on a show. And you blah, already- blah. You've already <laughs> promised to take me. Was that right? Uh, you're a roadie, man. I got lots of roadies. I got lots of roadies. <laughs> I'm just jumping on the bandwagon. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm so excited about that. That'll be a great show. Uh, we could actually talk for hours, and mm. I and I really mm. do want to. Mm. Uh, but uh, well, podcast part two. Podcast yeah. part two. Absolutely. And talk I about do, the I, science. Yeah, yeah, and and the science and just individual products. So if yeah. you're up for that, yeah, absolutely. Um, Scarlet and I'll fly down and. and uh, do it a bit close to your house. Beauty, so you let's do family. it in Woodend at that shed where I set him in front of the fire. That's the coolest but place. We won't take a heap of quarter sets before. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's cool. Just take a little bit. So this is almost done extracting. You can, yeah. You'll watch it fall to the bottom here. And once that's happened, this thing is taking on a new color. It's just making a nice little tea. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you could have it now, but you're not getting all of it. Just yeah, wait. Yeah. We'll wait. It's starting. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll wait to do that, and um, we'll um, we'll we'll tell you about that when we do the intro of how that went. But um, yeah, thank you for being a part of our little podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Is there me, something mate. else you want to tell us before you go? Anything else? Have I missed something really, really oh, important? Oh, look, I'm glad that there's going to be a part two, and I think I can I think I can reserve it to there. But Fable is available. It's Fable. the it is the mushroom meat at Guzmani Gomez. It is on the menu at Grilled, Fable Grilled. And I'm not the right guy to tell you all the restaurants it's in because it's in a lot and I'm not on the sales end, but it's out there. Mm. And look, it's mushroom-based meat and it does. It gives you a great experience that is a whole one. I built it on the back of me being, you know, a Texan not eating meat for a while. Um, and it has those things like the long shreds that get stuck in your teeth and the mouth coating succulents and you can take it any direction you want. So look out for it. It is, a, it is a, a labor of love. I put a lot of thinking in there just to do a little bit of processing, keeping it whole and not making like a Franken food. It is, it's, it's a food. So yeah, that's like, that's what I need to say. Is Beautiful. It just, is it just B2B or can people at home buy it? B2B, well? there's a food service product. Absolutely. That's less cooked. So it's more, it's more of a platform for chefs to jump on and take any direction they want. Yeah. But then the retail one that is shelf stable has an extra cook step. So it's not preservatives, but an extra cook step. Mm -hmm. And that cook step de develops the Mylard browning. So it takes it more along the path of like a beef. And it does have the same sort of complex amino acids with that Mylard development to be very beefy. So you're not going to make like a pork or a chicken thing. It's going to be pretty beefy what you do. And you're kind of, yeah, that's where you're at. But it is like still got all those succulent fibers and all of that. So it's nice to drop into stews or to put a breading on and fry or whatever. It's, that's it's on great. the Mylard. The Mylard, yeah, that's like a reductionist approach to understanding that thing that we love about food. And Mylard is the browning reaction, non-enzymatic browning. So if you eat an apple, boom, and it like enzymatically like turns brown, that's not an attractive browning. But if you take 
a, a, a cauliflower and sizzle it in a pan and get it like just golden, that's mylar. And it requires free amino acids, reducing sugars and heat. So it's a battle against water because you need to be somewhere above 100 degrees and you need to get rid of the water to do that. There's so much water in mushrooms that comes in part two, the whole science, but get rid of the water, you know, pat everything dry and give it a good sear. And then all of a sudden you have an emotional relationship with your food that's based on the mylar looking at it from that reductionist thing. But everything else is that it's now more nutritive. It's unlocked all this nutritive potential is full of glutamic acid, which is that umami thing that we're always mm. chasing. Yeah, and the mylar basically expresses that in a volatile way. It shows you, you hear it, you smell it, you see it, and then you get that umami. <laughs> That's exactly what and it is. And if you want some, uh, reach out to Fable or reach out to us, and we'll find a way to make sure that you can get that on your menu uh, because it's a cracking product. Mate, thank you for so much for being a part of the yeah, podcast. I'm thanks, super Graham. excited about the next one. Thank and you. Let's, uh, let's have a cup of tea. Yes, let's do it. Cheers. How cool is Jim? If you love that podcast as much as what we did, share it with your friends and your, fr and your friends and your family. That would be great. Because what we're actually trying to do is inspire and educate the community. So cheers. Thanks. See you next time.